Please open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4 as we continue our look into this letter. And, and John's going to hit on, I think, uh, of course he's been hitting on some wonderful things. I can't say that this is any greater, but, but he's really going to drive home this idea of abiding and, and assurance, right? And I've, I've uh, named my, my, my sermon this morning, The Assurance of Abiding. I think that's something that um, all of us want to know. We want to have a confidence in. Um, maybe you've had a moment in your life where, where you've um, been challenged, maybe challenged in your faith or challenged by something else or maybe something that you've seen or watched or heard or a debate you had with a coworker or something that maybe brought in the idea into your mind of, you know, how can I be a Christian and yet have this maybe uncertainty? some type of confusion maybe, or, or something to that extent. Um, maybe there's been a trial. Uh, you know, we walk through difficult things of life. We walk through a lot of struggles. We walk through things that, that maybe we just, on the other side of it, we're not sure. Maybe, maybe the enemy at that moment loves to put a little, uh, you know, that little doubt, just kind of floats it out there, right? Like, yeah, wait, let, let me just float this out there for you, this doubt option here, and, and maybe that's what, what's going on here, right? He, he sets it out there as an option, and and uh, for the believer, sometimes we, we kind of we harbor that thought. We may have a tendency to harbor that thought. And think about, well, what if, right? I, I see this world. I see things, you know, uh, happening. And, and, man, Lord, where are you? Maybe we have those questions. And I think those questions are okay as, as long as at the end of the day we come back to Scripture. What does Scripture say about that? Because that's where we find our faith and our trust, and we know where God is at. And this is where John is completely, confidently resolved Right? And he, is, he has said without shadow of doubt that it is his desire. He has come out and told us in, um, in the passage in chapter 5 that his desire is that you would know that you have eternal life. That you would know that you are saved. And not just that you would know that, but that you would continue on. That you would press on and, and through those difficulties and through those moments where, where uh, uh, maybe a, a doubt may float in, where the enemy sets that in front of you, even in those moments, that you would have complete confidence and resolve that you know this is who God is. This is what the Lord has done. This is who his son is. He came and, and he lived among us. He went to the, I know this. And John is, is writing to a group of individuals who might be asking this very question. They've had these, these Gnostics floating around who've gone out, and John tells us, they went out from us. They weren't part of us. Well, that's to make them feel good or not. Like, okay, all right, yes, they left us, but what do we do now, right? And he says, hey, you're the ones. You're the knowing ones. They have the name Gnostic, which means knowing ones, but they're not really the knowing ones. They think that they can have God the Father without the Son, right? And so he goes, you can't have it. If they're thinking that, you can't have one that you either have. You have to have the Son. That's how you have the Father. And he's explaining all these wonderful theological truths to them and he has this this thing he loves this group of people he knows that they, there's things going on and there's there's moments in our lives and I think there's that wonderful parallel that we can say you know what there's maybe if we're honest with ourselves or maybe there's times where we think am, am I am I saved do I know him and John has been giving us some wonderful tests if you will right not a test that we pass once and I'm good but ongoing developing tests I use that word and sometimes you're like I passed it I'm good I don't have to worry about doing that anymore. I passed my driver's test. I don't, I don't need any of that information. I'm, I'm good. But in this, he's really talking about this ongoing, right? Keeping in step with the Spirit and, and pursuing. Jesus calls us to come pick up our cross and follow, right? The Hebrew writer says, Mark, run this race that's marked out for you. So it's this idea, and John is saying, these are things that we can set in front of us, that we can assess our lives by God's Word and, and come to a place of confidence. 
and our understanding of salvation. There was a story of John uh, uh, Wesley shared at a time when he was speaking, and there was a guy after he had preached, he'd come up to him and asked him, you know, Mr. Wesley, are you sure of your salvation? To which he, he said, well, I believe. God so loved this world, he sent his son. Died upon a cross, I believe I'm a part of that. He said, yes, yes, we, you know, the person responded, yes, we, we all believe that, but do you believe? Do you believe you're saved? It's kind of took... John back a moment, and he thought about it, and he said, well, yeah, I believe in God has provided, he's made provision for me. I can think of the cross. I know these, these doctrines. I know these things. And then the man pressed a little bit further and said, but, but are you sure of your salvation? And as the story goes, it, it, it unsettled him for a while, and he could not rest until he brought that to a resolve. So he came back to scriptures and said, this is what it means. This is what it means to believe, and here is where I find my assurance. And he comes to know, right? Of course, he did know, but he solidified it in God's word. I think that's so important, and this is something that John's going to hit on because, you know, if we look at scripture, we know as a church, and I've even shared it this morning, I've asked you to be praying for it, that we would see non-believing people become committed followers. That's taken from Matthew 28. That is Jesus speaking those words to us. This is what I want my church to be doing. This is, guess what? You're a missionary. You're on task. This is what I want you to do. I'm going to send you out into this world, but yeah, I'm going to be with you. That is what he wants us to do. And in the context of doing that in your life and where you live, if we're going to take this forward, well, clearly there's moments where maybe we're going to engage things that might challenge us. And John's saying here, look, in the context of life, you can know that you are saved. You can have assurance that you are abiding. That's the word he's going to use this morning. You are abiding with God because there is something set before, you, before each and every one of us to do. And, and if we're doubting it in our own lives, well, we're not going to be very effective in sharing that and communicating it to others. So here's our passage this morning. It's in John chapter 4, and this is uh, verses 12 through 16. It says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Let me offer a brief prayer this morning. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. And I ask this morning, God, that as our our focus is upon you, that your spirit would be with us. Open our eyes to the truth of your word. Help us to know you, to, to grow in our confidence and our fellowship and our assurance as we abide with you. And Lord, as always, I ask you to get me out of the way um, and let the words, Lord, that are shared would be yours. We pray this for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. So here we are. As I mentioned earlier, John has, has come to this moment, and he's been, he's been really encouraging, right? We use the word test, and sometimes I know if you're currently in college, the test is not the greatest word you like to hear. Here's what the Bible says. Here's some tests, and you're probably going, oh, man, I've got enough already. But John is really wants to encourage us. He wants to know that are you growing in your sanctification? Is there moments where we see this? Are you growing in your, in your love for each other? Are you growing in truth? You're desiring to know truth, not just know it 
and this is what it says and have an answer, right? But to, to really allow that truth to affect you and influence you and change the way that, that you worship, change the way that you, you treat your spouse or your friends and so on and so forth. And he's been encouraging us and this is who he is because there's been attacks. There are people coming in, these Gnostics who are saying, no, 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 you know, this whole Jesus, he's, uh, he, was, he, was just, he was just born, and there was a divine Jesus, and he came into this baby, and, and he, yeah, that's how this whole thing wrapped up. And right before he died, the, the heavenly Jesus, he, he split, and the earthly guy just, he died. That's how this whole thing worked out, right? And that's kind of what they're running with. And John is stressing the ideas and know this, this wonderful, all-powerful, mighty God who's created the heavens and the earth, he has sent his son, and guess what? He has been the incarnate Christ. John makes that a very, a very strong uh, uh, part of salvation. You have to understand, Jesus came. He was Christ. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He went all the way to the cross. He did it all. It's who he is. And John wants you to know this. I've been kind of stressing this for a while, and I just want to <clears throat> excuse me, list out the times where John is is stressing this, just so you, you can know. Bear with me on this, all right? I'm just going to write through the verses that we've talked about, and a few we haven't yet. Chapter 2, verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 2, 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know, right, that we are in him. 2, 13. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. 2.20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Chapter 3, verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. That theme will be picked up again this morning. 3.14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. 3.19, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. 3.24, now he who keeps his commandments abides. There's our word we're going to talk about today. Abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. 4.2, by this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. There's our doctrine of the incarnation, right? Is of God. 4 6. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of error. 5 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. 5 13. Here's our verse. Uh, the theme of the book, these things I have written to you, you believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the Son of God. So listing those out in this short little letter, what, if, what do you kind of come to a conclusion of? There's something that John wants you to know, right? He's using this word gnosko, the Greek word, over and over again. I want you to know this. I want you to be assured of this. Here we have this, this little band of believers that he loves, and they're being challenged by this other thing is coming in. He says, this is what I want you to know. I want you to have evidence in your life, things that you can say, you know, this is what it means. And John's already encouraged them, right? You have overcome the evil one. How did they overcome? They stayed with the truth, right? You know the truth. And so John comes to this, this idea of knowing, and he uses this word this morning of abiding. <clears throat> I want you to know that you abide in God, God in you. And so what does that mean for us? Abiding simply means for John, it means to have fellowship with the Lord. 
right? We know God, have fellowship with Him. It's not just for those who've walked with the Lord for many years, who would be very mature, we would say, in the faith. It's not just for those, but it's for those also who are new in the faith, who are young in the faith. It's for every believer. And so John would say this morning, if you are not abiding, if you're not abiding in God and He is not abiding in you, He would attach that to salvation. He would say, then you do not know the Son. And that's his kind of his conclusion. He unfolds this and he makes it so important. Look, either you live in a world, there's darkness, there's wickedness. Yeah, I want you to be a light out there, but you need to be sure that if you know Christ, then you abide in Him and Him with you. So for us this morning, we need to ask these questions. Well, how is it? What are the evidences, John, you're giving to us? Because that becomes very important. I live in this world. I see the things I know that the Lord has set you know, works in front of me to do, and I've got to get going at it, and I don't want to worry about uh, having uh, questions about knowing Christ. I want to have that solidified. I want to be like Paul who says, I know in whom I believed. I'm not going to waver here. I trust this. So how do we see that? How do we know? How can we encourage one another, but also really truly encourage ourselves? What are the evidences that we have the assurance of abiding in God? And the first one I put here is in verse 12, when we love his followers. When we love his followers. <clears throat> verse 12 says, no one has seen God at any time. Kind of an odd statement just out of the blue. We'll talk about that here in a moment. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. God, excuse me, John in this context has been talking about love, and he's going he's to make that, that bold statement once again that God is what? God is love. And he's going to say it in the passages that, that we're reading and studying this morning, but he's in this context, and he kind of comes to this moment where he's talking about God is love. It's God's nature to love. God cannot not be who God is, and God is going to love us. It's so powerfully demonstrated in the cross. John has defined it for us, right? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ lays down his life for us. We should therefore go on and lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters, love one another. He's been hitting all those things, but he comes to this, and he says, no one has seen God. I don't know about you, but that kind of jumps off. It's kind of odd, right? We're talking about love, and all of a sudden he says, hey, guess what? No one's seen him. Well, John, what do you mean by this? He's used this before, actually, in his gospel. In John chapter 1, verse 18, he says, No one has seen God at any time. There's our statement, right? But then he adds to this in John 1, 18, he says, The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared them. He has made him known, right? In the beginning was the Word. That's what he's talking about. But here John has a different following to that statement, right? No one has seen God, but then he follows it, If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. So what does that mean? Quite simply, and we've talked about the incarnation, John is saying God has manifested himself in Christ. He has come in the flesh, he's gone to the cross, and now by the power of his spirit, he dwells in you and I, and God's love, his presence is manifested when we love each other. People may not be able to, to see God, right? And we know that he is spirit. We must worship him in spirit and in truth, he says in John chapter 4. And so we know that, but, but it's amazing how God is manifested and why God chooses this, right? He is seen. We, we can open our Bibles and we can learn about him. We don't see him, right? But we see his, his love manifested in his followers. We can, we can know and, and read each other's lives, if it will, right? And then especially those on the outside, those who come to church who are kind of saying, what's this whole Christian thing about if they come to church and they see a kind of a contrary to the world kind of love when it's something that they, they maybe want more of, 
But if they come to a church or come to a context where they see a bunch of believers in, in profession assembling together and they have bitterness and verbal attacks and hatreds and, and things of that sort, then we're not giving a very positive testimony, right, to the love of God. We can't turn around and say, he loves you, and we're doing something else. You know, a Greek writer, Lucian, who, was, who wrote in AD 120 to 200, he said of the early church, it is incredible to see the fervor with which the people of that religion help each other out in their wants. They spare nothing. Their first legislator, which is referring to Jesus, right, has put it into their heads that they are all brethren. They're all brothers and sisters. That's a crazy thought, isn't it? And then Tertullian said this about the early church. He said, it is our care, right? It is our care for the helpless, our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Look, they say, how they love one another. Look how they are prepared to die for one another. Isn't that what John has told us? This is, this is what love is. Jesus Christ loved you. He laid down his life for you. And I wonder, you know, if we take that to heart, is that, is that true of us? Are we manifesting God's love, right? This becomes the evidence. We have love for his followers. We love each other. That doesn't mean that we, we overlook things and we just say, oh, it's all right. No, we love, biblical love means that we need to deal with things. Sometimes we have to do tough things. Sometimes we have to do hard things. But it should always be done in a motive and a heart of love. The desire is what? Reconciliation, the, the building up of each other. It's taking on the mind of Christ who, who left his glory behind and he went to the earth and he went to the cross and he died a horrific death. Yeah, that's it. That's the mind I need to have and that's the way I should be loving. So John is saying this is a manifestation of God's presence. It is an assurance that you are abiding. Because let's face it, I don't know if you just use me as an example, you would say, ah, oh, our pastor, he's a tough one to love. Right? We can at times be difficult to love. Now I can see God's presence, and, and especially I mentioned earlier uh, through the announcement time in, in, in Faye Williams' funeral. The tears, the hugs, the brokenness, the sharing of the pain, all those things. And you know what that is. We've seen it, right? doesn't mean we're perfect. We're growing these things. But we genuinely love. We sacrificially love. It doesn't say, you know, when John says that in, in chapter 3, he says, hey, you, you know, this is what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life. You should lay down your lives for your brothers. And that's tough enough. But he, but he kind of goes on and says, what, what, who of you sees your brother in need and does nothing? Who, right? And does nothing. He says, how does the love of God abide in him? So we may not be called to lay down our lives, but John's going to put that right in line. If you see a need and you're not moving to action, how does God's love abide in you? So we see this, right? It becomes an evidence. Do you have a love? And, and John has talked about this multiple times. He's stressed this. He said, this is God's nature. This is who God is. And, and truly, if God is love and all that God is and all the Trinity, this is who he is and all his attributes, this is who he is. Well, naturally, if he's dwelling in you, right? If he's dwelling in us, there should be something like that happening in us towards our brothers and sisters. And so John says, this is it. Are we growing in our love? Sometimes we're... we're, we're we're challenged by that. But isn't, this, isn't it amazing that this is what it, what it is? This is the marker, if you will. Jesus said the world will know you're different than everyone else by what? Your love, right? And so John says, here it is. Are you growing in this? Are you growing? Do you have a genuine love for your brothers and sisters? 
So we see that as an assurance. John goes on from there, and we go into verse 13, where I'm saying, you know, we can know our assurance uh, and our, our abiding with God when we display His Spirit. He says in verse 13, By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. This kind of goes together, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it, it has to work together. Naturally, we're not going to have this kind of love if, if we're not redeemed, if we, if we don't have the Spirit dwelling in us. So he just naturally builds upon it and expands it a little bit more for us. And so we know from this, so if the Spirit is at work, what should we be seeing of the Spirit in our lives? We know of God's Spirit. It is a Spirit of truth. It is a Spirit of love. John has been speaking about these two things. He's been talking about love. He's been telling us that this is who God is, and he's going to talk here in a moment about uh, the, the, the weight of truth, right? He's going to be talking about truth. And John doesn't separate this idea of, of the two. It's not one or the other. No, there is truth in our love, right? And there's love in our truth. But it's interesting that he points out <coughs> that God has, or he says, you know, he has given us of his spirit meaning out of, right? Out of this, or out of his spirit. So John is saying that God has imparted to us out of his spirit truth, right? Isn't that one of his tests? Yeah, we should be growing in truth, growing in understanding. Is there a desire for that? And of course, love. John's going to come back to that theme once again. He's been in context. He's talking about this. He's going to hit that one more time to get used to it. I think it's kind of good because he begins the letter with hitting sins, right? The whole first chapter is about God is holy. Then he just goes down this sin, and we feel kind of beat up, but he's, he's really kind of making up some ground now, isn't he? Right? And we love one another. We see it in work in us. And John's talking about this action. It's, it's one thing to say. It's another thing to do. I love the example of, of Jesus to Nicodemus, right? In John chapter 3, verses 6 and 8, he says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows, right, where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We don't see these things. We know that God is a Spirit. We cannot see Him, but we see the effects of God's truth at work. We see God abiding in us and our love for one another. We see the demonstration of His Spirit in the actions. Christianity is not just succumbing to the doctrines and following them. It is that. And it's not just stopping sinful practices and repenting of them. It is that. It's not just doing godly practice, things he said before. It is that. But Christianity is, is receiving new life from God's Spirit. It's being renewed, being born again. Right? It is trusting that God has doing a work has sealed me. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, But you who are, in, are not in the flesh, but are in the Spirit... If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Right? And that's what John is saying. By this we know that we abide. By this we know we abide. And he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. And maybe there's some thoughts this morning. We think of it as kind of like this subject or, or subjective feeling of sorts. Maybe it's like we, maybe there's a question or a thought that may come in there. Do I have it? Do I not? Right? I'm not sure where you're at this morning, but I, I don't think it's about the feelings. It's about the outworking. It's about the fruit of the Spirit. 
We cannot see the wind, but we know its effects. And this is what John is saying. Are you seeing this in your life? Is there a natural desire, an inclination to love your brothers? Is there a desire for God's truth? When he would say, this is, this is you abiding with God and God abiding with you. And his understanding of that is fellowship. You're having fellowship with God. Right? We're growing in this truth. These are the effects. They demonstrate themselves for us. And of course, we can make quite a list, can't we? Of things that we can look at and say, yeah, I, I see this. I'm beginning to see this. And it should grow in our assurance. It should grow in our confidence. We can say things such as, are you concerned about the things of God? Do you have a desire to follow his commands? Do we say yes and amen, Lord? Yes, here's your word. I want to follow it. I want to submit to it. Do you have a desire to know him more? We have a genuine desire for his word, even when in the parts we love to maybe skip over, right? Those are the good ones. Of course, again, it's all good. Do you have a growth in, in your desire to, to, to move away from sin, a hate for sin? Is there a struggle against that? I love how John Owen says it is a mortification of sin. It is a constant fight and a battle. Are you, are you taking the war to it? Do we trust in God's providence? We trust that he has a sovereign plan. Do we believe that this is his truth? Do we have an understanding that he is not just a judge, but a loving father? Loves us. We see the cross. And we can go on and on. This is why John says, by this we know that we abide in him. Because he has given us his spirit. Do you see that? Do you see it in your life? Are you growing in it? John's desire, again, remember, he's writing to this group who've been you know, influenced by these other people who have gone out. I'm sure there's a lot of conversations on the way to the workplace, right? Around the water cooler, they're having conversations. Oh, you're still going over there, are you? Well, you guess what? We've got the better version. You should come. And if you're asking questions, well, maybe it's being revealed to you. That's what they believe. Only those who desire to know about it. Well, of course, you're, if you have questions about Gnosticism, you're asking questions, they would say, hey, you should come on over with us. Maybe, maybe it's being revealed to you because it was this esoteric hidden knowledge kind of thing. It's kind of convenient, isn't it? That's a way to kind of lure somebody in. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe there's something happening. I do have a question of what you guys are doing over there. All these things are happening, and John's encouraging him, saying, look, no, 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 no. You are the ones who've overcome. Are you seeing this? You overcome. Remember, you stayed to the truth. Is that something that is happening? You're growing in your love for each other. Is the Spirit revealing these things? And, of course, it goes on to verses 14 and, and 15. It says, and my point is, when we prof profess his truth, this is exactly what John is saying, and when we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Right? We have seen. There's an apostolic component there. It goes on to verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So John does something here I think is really good. It's, 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 uh, well, it's, it's awesome. Let's just say that, right? It's God's Word. He, just, he stresses the idea in, in verses 14 that, that you must understand. You must understand the Apostle's doctrine, right? This is what he's getting at. He says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son, the Savior of the world. So for us this morning, growing in our understanding and this idea of professing the truth, well, you've got to understand, right? We have to understand what does the Bible actually communicate? What is the Bible saying? What does it say about God? What does it say about Christ? And this statement takes us right back, right? This is how John began his letter, right? He's the primary source. Look at verses in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, he's mentioned that multiple times, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, 
And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and we have heard, we declare to you that you also may what? Have fellowship. You may be abiding with God, you may be abiding with Christ, have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Here we have this eyewitness account. Here you have a primary source where he's saying, trust me on this one. I was there. I know how Jesus did this. I know how he walks. I know how he acts. I know how he talks. I know the, 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 this and that. He could go on. He eats his food with his left hand occasionally when he's having bread. I mean, all those kind of nuances, they would know this. So Christianity, what is he communicating? Christianity isn't built on some type of, of wistful thinking or something we just kind of made up here and there, right? And how does all this tie together? Say, no, 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 this is it. I was there. You can trust me on this. Christianity is, is not some type of philosophic kind of speculation or interpersonal impression, if you will. It's built upon historic apostolic witness, right? We have seen this. John was completely convinced that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. This is it. He's the one that's come. He was born of the, he's the incarnation. He came of the blood and the water. Man, this is, this is it. Trust me, you're on the right track with this. Well, I was there. I've seen the miracles. I heard the teaching. I saw him transfigured. He was glowing. He can go into detail about all this stuff, right? Peter picks up on this. 2 Peter 1.16, For we did not follow cunningly to devise fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. These guys, Peter, John, they, they were there. They watched him die on a cross. Right? They were there and they saw him. He, he rose again. Remember the testimony of John. He wouldn't go in the tomb. But it says that's where he believed. All that he had saw, all of this. John is completely resolved. This is it. You need to know this. And John says, this is the Savior of the world. What is he saying? The world is lost. The world needs a Savior. The world is broken. This is why Christ has come. You can trust who he is. I've, I've walked with him. And this salvation is for you, right? You need to know this. The world is lost in its sins. They prefer the world's way. They prefer the world's system. It shouldn't be so with you as we grow in this and understanding what this Bible says. We understand it. This is God's way. And this truth is for any sinner. I think it's important to understand. Anyone who stands outside, anyone who does not know, they're not beyond God's grip, God's power. Right? Forgiveness is, is you haven't done something this morning that's beyond him. Right? There's a Savior who has come. So naturally, John goes from there. If we understand this doctrine, well, we must confess it. Right? That's his second fill-in, right? We must confess the apostles' doctrine. If you confess, right, this testimony, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? I trust him to forgive me of my sins. He was the one who was laid down for me. He became the propitiation. John is saying this testimony, right, was given to you. The Spirit has given this to you. This becomes a wonderful kind of a, a, a catalyst. We go right back into the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus asked that question. Who do the people say that I am? I mean, we've had that conversation today. I've had a lot of unique responses to that question, right? Usually it's around a good teacher or there's good stories there. Or he was a good guy. 
right? You just tell him, God, he doesn't give you those options, right? He's either the son of God or he's a lunatic or he's a liar. I mean, that's what you're left with, right? Jesus doesn't give you that. There's no gray area here. This is who he is, right? And you have that. And so Jesus asked that question. Who do you say that I am, right? He asked the question. They say all these different things, but who do you say that I am? And Peter gives that, that statement. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus says some wonderful words to Peter, doesn't he? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My Father is in heaven. So if we're, if we're to, to, to know, profess this truth, there's an element where you have to come to this understanding that if you know Christ today, if you believed on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this truth has come to you because of God. This is the abiding God has revealed it to you. We can hear it. We can hear the testimony. We can have, maybe we've had family members explain it multiple times and on and on and so forth. But until it takes root and and changes your life, until that moment of saying, you know what, this is it. That moment where where the Spirit opens our eyes and, and you realize you were running to hell as fast as you could and you didn't even know it. And the sovereign, mighty, magnificent God, he grabs your life and he pulls you out of the miry clay and he puts you on the rock. When you understand that moment, this is what, what he's saying. I confess, this is it. That is the work God has done. And John is saying that is evidence. That's assurance in your life. If you believe him, is this growth? Are these things happening? Of course, I, I love him. His Spirit's in me. I would love others. I would love those who are following after him. Naturally, I would do that. I see his spirit at work now. Of course, his spirit would be at work in me. God is love. I know this. And this is his truth. And I know when doubt comes in and the enemy loves to do that, right? When we're weak, when we're down, we had that bad day. And he throws that, that, that idea right out in front of you. And you go, man, that looks pretty good. Maybe I should just take a moment here and just kind of question everything. That's where the knowing comes, Right? Why does John say over and over again, you know, you know, you know, you know. Hey, do you know? Hey, you know, do you know? It becomes comical, but John is stressing this point. It's built upon God's word. It's his truth. This mighty sovereign God, yeah, he's, he's doing it in you. You are abiding. And the king, right? The savior, you don't have him in part, you have him in whole. Completely, not in part, completely. You know, it saddens me today as you, know, as you hear of those who, who maybe at one point walked with the Lord or are no longer walking with the Lord. I was having a conversation. I don't remember I was talking to him at that age now. I'm sorry if I was having this conversation. I forget who I was talking to. Actually, I don't think it was anyone here. It might have been somebody else, but it wasn't someone I made up. I understand that, okay? But I had this, this moment where I'm thinking about, you know, Men I went to, to Bible college with. I can count on one hand, one hand, how many of them are still in the ministry. Who one hand? Actually, I don't even need a whole hand. I mean, honest, it's three. I can think of three. And that's, that's the world. And, and I don't know the, the, a lot of those stories or why, but we can quickly go. I know of families who burn out, right? I lost this. I can't go. I don't know. These Chris are judged, whatever it might be. And for you and I, I need to understand that this love, it, it, I'm unlovable, but yet he loved me. I confess this truth, that's because he did a work in me. It becomes a wonderful assurance for us because we are under attack, let's be honest. Right? Principalities and powers, they're out. They're around. 
love to throw doubt in, your, in front of you. I need to think again, think twice, whatever it might be. But you need to know. Sometimes you use that word over. You need to know. Why is that? Because there'll be times where you go, maybe I don't know. No, John would say, come back. You're the knowing ones. And of course, my last point. This really is the motivation to all of it. John comes back and says, well, you know, we, how do we know we, we have assurance we're abiding with God or in fellowship with him? Well, when we recognize his love, you have to recognize his love. Verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. There's our statement once again. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. It is the evidence. It is the outworking, right? God's truth in you. It is your changed life, your story, and the things God has walked you through. Your testimony of what God has done. It is the outworking of this. It is a trust in knowing that God has dealt, you know, my sin upon that cross in the past, but it has present and future implications in my life. Faith is not a blind leap in the dark. It's based on knowing and understanding. John was completely convinced, as all the apostles were, they knew God loved him. They looked to the cross. We know that we are loved. We know that we are forgiven because God forgives, right? Those who come and repent, who trust in Christ Jesus. Remember, God is love. He says this again, and it's not just to set aside his attributes and to think of it just purely in God is love that he overlooks, right? God doesn't overlook our sin. Otherwise, he ceases to be God, but because his has justice attached to his love. He takes all our sin right in that moment and he, he takes it all and he puts it upon his son. And that's that wonderful exchange, right? Where all my sin, I impute it to Jesus. And I receive his perfect righteousness. He doesn't make me righteous to earn or to deserve or to get clean. No, it's his righteousness. This is what Christ has done. It is the supreme demonstration of God's love for us is the cross. Love and justice, right? For you, you have to recognize this. This is John's motivation to all our outworking, to trusting his spirit, to loving one another genuinely, right? In those times where maybe we blow, we go back, we make amends, we ask forgiveness. God, forgive me. You have to know that right here you have to recognize God loves me and it includes right it's abiding it includes our love for god our love for each other it's the outworking it's the demonstration and we have to remember we right i'll just say me i don't deserve it but he loved me he still loves me i think it's important for us as we understand this motivation and as we you know we see these assurances I mean, really isn't it about God's glory? Isn't it about what he has done? Isn't it about who he is? And the more we, we have our thoughts and our minds there, we see the outworking, right? It's these true, genuine religious affections. We, we think about how God has moved in my life, how he saved me. And yes, out of that comes this, this desire. You know, yeah, I'll go the extra mile. That's right. You can walk all over me as long as you come into the kingdom with me. I'm okay with that, right? Now there's discernment in that. Don't run away with that one. But we need to be careful. But I think we need to go on to this idea that Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, uh, great verses, you should memorize these. 20 and 21, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. A life which I now live, I live in the flesh, right? I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. 
John's confession, I have faith in Christ. I know who he is. I know he has died for me. He has laid down his life for me. Can you say that personally? Is that something you can say, yes, this is my Savior. Yes, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Oh, that's right. He gave himself for me. I need to understand that. I need to recognize that in my life. It becomes an assurance, doesn't it? Becomes in this wonderful abiding. As we see throughout John, and knowing and trusting and abiding, we realize it's, it's not perfection, it's a direction, right? We understand that our sanctification isn't complete until the day of Christ Jesus. We are in, in process, right? You began the good work, he'll be faithful. So it's the direction. Are you heading the right direction? Is it growing in you? There are days I think we say, you know what, I've got this thing. It's a good day, right? I love the Lord, I'm mountaintop. It doesn't seem like less than a few hours. You're like, man, I shouldn't have got up today. <laughs> Sounds, feels like a valley, right? We have that. Understand that. But in those moments, you shouldn't question God's love for you. We should know that we abide in him. There should be a, a humility that comes from this, the submission to his word. What does it say? The good, the bad, the tough things? Yeah, what does it say? Let it be challenged. Let it challenge me. Let it shape me and mold me. I believe it's without uh, uh, any hesitation, God wants us to know, right? These qualities, are they growing? No, know this. Or you can say, yeah, yeah, I'm growing. I'm not perfect. Yeah, I'm not there. Yeah, I'll keep going, though. I'm going to keep going. I received a text this morning, someone encouraging me, saying, you know what, Pastor, man, preach the word today. Trust the Holy Spirit. Keep moving forward. Isn't that true for all of us? Keep moving forward. Well, I always love the, the illustration. I don't know why I use, use war illustrations, but, you know, um, Stephen Ambrose wrote a book called Citizen Soldier, and he was talking about the average American citizen going into World War II, and he, he said when they went into World War II that they were still using World War I practices and, and, and strategies until they kind of figured out that the, the enemy had artillery that could zero in where they were at. So, you know, in, in my, I would just think, with, with artillery going off, what do you want to do more than anything in the world is to get as close as you can to the ground, Right? I'm going to hide under the ground. This is what I'm going to do. But they learned quite quickly that they couldn't do that. Because once they found you hiding, they would just aim right where you're at, right? Technology is better. So in the midst of all those things, they had to keep moving forward, keep moving forward. And sometimes in life, it's like that. It comes, it comes, it comes. Keep moving forward. Know that God loves you. You have to understand that. God loves me. God's got a purpose for me. God's got this. I close with this passage of Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, where he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. As we close in prayer, I would just like to encourage you it's easy to beat ourselves up. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to, to think of things where maybe God's far away, but do you see these things growing, encouraging you? And if that's not you this morning, then it's time to make that decision. It's time to place your faith, your trust, your hope upon Christ and Him alone. Don't go another day. Don't put off anything. Know Him and trust Him. Let's pray together.